We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. It's so good to be with you at Hope Christmas Sunday. Didn't you guys just love seeing the kids up here and, and all the acrobatic things going on and everything? Make a pastor almost have a heart attack. Come on, I don't know about you, but I just get a little anxiety. I'm just like, oh, please, Lord, don't let her break something. But uh, man, I just love watching the kids. One of the things I love about it is, is just, um, you know, the imperfection of the whole thing. We, we want things to be so perfect, and when kids do something just out of purity, and it's imperfect, but we love it. It's just awesome, isn't it? It just reminds us that the things that we value sometimes, and even that there, there can be beauty in imperfection. And um, when I was praying about what message series, every, every December as we lead into the Christmas season, I really pray into and ask God, what, what do you have for us as a church, and what do you want to what do you want to speak to us this year? And this year, more than any other year, I just felt, you know, this real weight just being what 2020 has been to us and what we've walked through, not only as a church, but as a people, as a country, um, in the world. Um, and the thing that God put on my heart, it just, it seems, it seemed kind of dark. It seemed like, you know, really God, is that what you had? I, I kind of had something different in mind, but we're right in the middle of this message series called Hope in the Dark. And I think now more than ever, in fact, Christmas 2020, for a lot of us, can feel like an off year. It could feel like a little bit like there's this damper over the Christmas season that um, a, like a shadow just kind of overhanging over it that can, I don't know, take away a little bit of the joy, that can take a little, a little bit of the fun away from all of it. And yet um, in the middle of that, we're reminded that that hope sometimes shines brightest in the dark. And when we go through some of the, the darkest seasons in our life, those are the, in fact, personally, when I look back over the course of my life, the seasons where I went through the darkest times, I can look back and, and see that those are the seasons where I found the greatest light in my life, where I was able to grab a hold of a hope that became an anchor for my soul that actually propelled me into the future that God had for me. And so as we look back over 2020, and now we're here celebrating Christmas right in the middle of, of, of this year coming to an end, I think oftentimes in, in just an, an average Christmas, statistics say that for a lot of us, even though we're in the middle of, of a season that is marked by light, and a season that's marked by celebration, and it's marked by joy, that all of the light can be around us, but there can be this, these shadows in our life that just kind of cast some darkness on our soul. And oftentimes, we don't even realize what it is, but we feel it. We can sense it, that something's just not quite right in me. Something's a little bit off, and yet what we do naturally is we just power through it. And even the busyness of the season, we can just, we can get through the season and, and go into the new year, and we can actually miss what God wants to do through seasons of darkness. And I think that is one of the greatest tragedies through this season. In fact, I was speaking to a group of pastors last week at a, a pastor's luncheon, and um, part of what I do personally every year at the end of the year, we give our whole staff off uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's. And for me, it's like a lifesaver. It's, it's a time for me to get refreshed, to get some rest, to kind of prepare myself um, for the new year. And so I always approach it where I take some time to really get alone with God and reflect, to get some rest and to reflect on the past year and to really ask God, is there something that I've missed throughout this year that you're trying to teach me? Or that you want to do in me so that I'm prepared for the future that you have for me and the future that you have for my family, the future that you have for my church. And so I said it like this. A lot of us are looking at 2020 as like a wasted year. Like, and I, you know, like we just want to get through it. 
I just want to get past 2020. We just want to move on. Let's get to 2021. And yet, in the middle of it, God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to, to do something in us. And, and when we go through seasons of darkness, um, I like to say it like this. Um, darkness doesn't bring us fear. Darkness doesn't create anxiety. Darkness exposes fear. It exposes anxiety. It exposes things that actually are, are already there in our soul. But the tension within us brings those things to the surface. And we saw that all throughout 2020 where marriages were struggling. People were struggling. People questioning their faith. People walking away from God. Walking away from the church. Questioning, God, where are you? What are you doing? Have you left us? Do you not care? Look at what this pandemic is doing to our world. Look at what it's doing even to the church. Look at what it's doing even politically and, and creating racial tension and riot and fear and all these things and in the middle of this very dangerous and real virus that affects us physically I think probably the most dangerous thing is the way this virus has affected our souls and the darkness that it can create and I relate it to when Jesus was born over 2,000 years ago he was born into what theologians call 400 years of silence 400 years of darkness, 400 years of the people of God not seeing God move, not hearing his voice, not seeing any miracles, and wondering, God, where are you in the middle of this? Have you left us? Have you forsaken us? Do you care? And if we're not careful in, in dark seasons or seasons like we've walked through in 2020, we could find ourselves in the same place. And I love that in the middle of 400 years of silence and in the middle of darkness, we're going to look at a passage, a prophetic passage in Isaiah chapter 9, where God spoke some 600 years before that in the middle of that darkness, a light would dawn on God's people. And with that light and with the birth of Jesus would come this thing that we call hope. Hope. Hope is something that we can hold on to, something that is real, something that we can put our faith in, something that we can put our trust in that goes beyond our current reality. That's what hope is. My Bible says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things unseen. And in the middle of what Isaiah and the people of God were experiencing, God drops this prophetic truth into Isaiah's spirit to proclaim to the rest of the people that in the middle of the darkest season, in the middle of the darkest times of your life, that you can hold on to the truth of God's word, that it is greater than any circumstance that you're going through, greater than any darkness, greater than your pain, greater than your fear, greater than your discouragement. So many of us, whether you're in a valley or you're in on top of a mountain right now, we all go through seasons where we're, we have highs and lows. And yet, right now, I know that there's many of you, and whether you're watching online, and by the way, I just want to welcome those of you, and I know there's many of you that right now actually are struggling with this virus physically. And I'm just so glad that we have technology that you can join us online, but I, I just want to welcome you. But for many of us right now, like David described, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I don't have to fear any evil. Why? Because here's a higher truth, that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I can know God is present with me, even going through it. And so some of you, you may not be in one of those seasons right now, but I guarantee you, if you're not, at some point you will. But for others of us right now, you may not be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but you're walking through the valley of the shadow of divorce. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of disease and sickness. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of conflict. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of addiction. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of debt. And in the middle of that, I think what is more dangerous about walking through seasons of darkness isn't the darkness itself. It's what we believe about walking through that darkness. 
It's the lies along the way that the enemy of our soul want to take the truth of God and twist them just enough so that we start to believe lies about who God is and about who we are. And so today I want to bring you a message called A Light Has Dawned. A Light Has Dawned. Because in the middle of our darkness, we celebrate in this season the fact that a light was dawned over 2,000 years ago that we can experience still to this day that brings the truth of God into our heart, brings the light and the life of God into our lives, and can bring us and lead us into hope. Amen? Amen. So if you will, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to look at this prophetic passage that speaks to the coming of Jesus. I'm reading to you out of the NIV, starting in verse 2, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep, deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now let me pause there for a second. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about how this prophetic passage, actually some other translations say, people that have been dwelling in the shadow of darkness. And so what happens in seasons like this is oftentimes we can get stuck. We get stuck spiritually um, because we begin to uh, create patterns in our life, ways of thinking, things that we believe. And if we're not careful, we could start to dwell in those shadows. God never meant for you to dwell in shadows. He meant for you to walk through them. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow... We're meant to walk through it, not get stuck in it. But this is the problem. Too many of us get stuck in it. And God was trying to give a prophetic picture of hope to people back then as he is to us now that we can hold on to this same passage. Verse 3. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Look at in the middle of this darkness, God is saying, I can increase your capacity to receive more joy, more of my life. They rejoice before you as the people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, and I'm going to talk about this on Christmas Eve, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And you want to underline this. We're going to highlight this today. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And here's the kicker, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this time together. God, we give you um, this next little bit. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is still true today as it was thousands of years ago when you first gave the rhema word. God, I believe that you can use your written word to bring us a fresh word, a rhema word today. So God, I pray for every single person that is here today and those that are watching online. I pray that you'd open our hearts to receive your word. God, I pray that you would open our eyes. God, right now, I just feel led by your spirit to pray for areas that we are blind to things that we have um, taken on as truth that are not truth. God, I pray today would be a day that we would turn from seeing things uh, through wrong perspectives and wrong lenses and through the, through the lens of lies and that we would turn today to you and let your light uh, bring truth to us. God, that you would open the eyes of those of us who have, are in spiritual blindness and God, that you would heal us and help us to see the truth of your love, the truth of your grace and to hold on to the hope that that brings in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. Well, if you know me and my family, you know that our family loves Christmas lights. Now, um, many of you have come to our house, have driven by. In fact, if you've taken the little trolley that takes you around to look at Christmas lights, then you've been by my house and you can't miss it. And my wife loves Christmas lights. I like 
the effect of Christmas lights. I don't like putting up the Christmas lights, and, uh, and she knows this. Inevitably, you know what makes me mad about Christmas lights is that, did you know, and this is a, this is a scheme, I, I believe it's probably a Ponzi scheme, but, but every year they change the little light bulbs, and so if one little stinking light goes out, the whole strand is ruined. And you can't just like go into your box and find a replacement bulb because if that replacement bulb is from a couple of years ago, it won't fit in the hole. They make you go buy new ones every year. And it ticks me off. I probably, I I told somebody before service, I'm going to start a GoFundMe to help pay for all the lights that my wife loves to put up. And, you know, I joke about it, but the reality is, is if you're a parent, um, you don't get many times of peace. <laughs> amen? Can somebody say amen? And, um, but one of the things I love about the Christmas season is it's so busy and so hectic, but I long for those times like when the kids are in bed. In my case, they never sleep because they're teenagers. But if they're like out of the room at least, and my wife and I get a moment where we could sit in the living room with the fireplace on and the, the tree on and the lights are on, and there's just something about it that just brings peace. It just brings joy. It, like, it comforts you. And actually, darkness has the opposite effect. In fact, a lot of psychologists, there's a term for fear of the dark called nyctophobia. And, and what they say about, you know, when we're younger, we all go through periods where we fear the dark, and that's pretty natural. But even as we get older, um, sometimes we can fear the dark. And, and they've studied, why is it that we have this nyctophobia? Why, is, why do we fear the dark? And they've found that we fear the dark because of lack of visual stimuli. Like we can't see what's surrounding us. And so we see like vaguely like shadows of things, but we don't see the reality of things clearly. This kind of happened recently. Nicole, our kids, kids director, she'll probably kill me for telling you this, but she, we had the, everything was off. It was during the week. We were working here at the church, and it was dark, and she couldn't see, and she was walking to the kitchen, and she got near the kitchen, and it was dark, and she, she jumped and screamed, and it was because she thought one of those Christmas trees was actually a person. Because in the shadows, things aren't really what they are. And and what she needed to do is she needed to turn the lights on. She needed to allow truth to really shine in the darkness to allow her to see the reality of what was really happening. In fact, one of the word, the word, the Greek word in the Bible, in the New Testament, um, you know that the Bible was written, the New Testament in Greek, the Old Testament in Hebrew and Aramaic. So it's not in our original language, not in English language anyway. And, and, and so when I study the Bible, and I encourage you to do this too, oftentimes I'll look at words uh, in the original language because it gives you a better description or more full description of what that word is really trying to convey. This is why we have different translations of the Bible. Um, and so the word for truth in the New Testament is the Greek word aletheia, which actually means reality. So here's what happens. When we go through shadow seasons, I would call them, or dark seasons, like all of us have walked through 2020, sometimes if we're not careful, we won't see things for what they really are. And our perception of what we've walked through, whether it's our past or our present, can distort the truth or reality of what we're experiencing right now. Can I demonstrate this for you? I want to call out one of our electric guitarists. Evan, could you, could you help me out here, brother? Evan is, is a guy that plays on our worship team, and he plays amazing electric guitar. He's a, a part of YWAM Lakeside. And um, I asked him if he would come out to demonstrate this, because when, now I'm not a musician, but I know a few things. I mean, obviously, you saw me in that rap, so. Um, what? <laughs> I know, I know. Inevitably, I'm going to hear this five times after service. Don't quit your day job. Don't worry, I don't have plans to. (laughs) But I'm not a musician, but here I do understand a couple of things in that there are notes. When you play a guitar, every time you push down on a string, you're playing a specific note. And that note has a specific sound associated with it. 
And so Evan's going to give us a little demonstration. Would you just play a couple of notes for us, brother? Listen to how, notice how crisp and clean this sounds. And every note you could hear and pick out. Oh, yeah. Come on, get down. Do you like that? Isn't that good? Okay, now, Evan, what I want you to do now is I want you to play those same notes, but I want you to play with distortion. Come on, get some Jimi Hendrix on you, brother. Woo! Now, when you listen to that, you got to get a face like this. You got to distort your face and get a, mm, man, that's good. Thank you. Can we give it up for Evan? I don't know if you've ever noticed this about an electric guitar, but oftentimes they have um, what they call, I asked Evan about this, uh, a whammy bar, I think that's what they call it, or AKA a distortion bar. And what it does is, um, you can also do this when you're playing the notes with the fingers. What happens is if you bend the note, the note gets distorted. It's the same note but it sounds different, and your ears interpret that sound differently. It doesn't sound the same. It's, it's actually distorted. It's altered. Let me give you a definition of what distortion means. Distortion is the act of twisting or altering something out of its true, natural, or original state. I'm going to say that again, and then I'm going to make the connection for you. Distortion is the act of twisting or altering something out of its true, natural, or original state. So here's what happens to us, is we experience things in our life, and, and many of you sitting here, it never ceases to amaze me as a pastor hearing people's stories. And I, I honestly, I feel like it's one of my highest privileges and honors in life is that I get to hear your stories. But when I hear some of your stories and people that are in, in our Living Waters program, they hear these stories all the time. I'm amazed at the resilience of people. Like some of the things that you've walked through in your life, the abuse, the sexual, the verbal, the past, the, the, the things that have happened to you, the, the things, the struggles that you've had to push through and fight through in your life, the physical ailments, the... The, the things as a, as a child that you've had to walk through, whether it's divorce, broken family, the verbal wounds, the, 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 wor the words that people have spoken over your life that have wounded you, that, that the enemy of our soul, you realize that there is an enemy of your soul. In fact, the Bible describes it like this in John 10, 10, that one of the things that Jesus came to do, that he was born for, was to bring you and me and lead you and me into more and more of God's life that he has for you. He says, I have come. I was born. Christmas is all about you experiencing more of the life that I came to give you. He says, but I, I need to warn you about something. That you also have an enemy of your soul. And Jesus himself called him a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. In fact, the Bible says he calls him the accuser of the brethren or the father of lies, that he is a, he is a liar and, and his native tongue is lies. And so you have Jesus who was born to bring and lead you into truth and over here in dark, that's light. And over here in darkness, you have the father of lies that wants to steal, kill, and destroy the very life that God wants to lead you into. And so here's the danger. Anytime that we go through valleys of shadows or darkness, how we perceive what has happened to us and how we process it, the enemy wants to distort the truth of God. And all he has to do is take the truth and bend it just a little bit. Just distort it a little bit. Just twist it a little bit. Just lied to you a little bit. He did the same thing with Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good of evil, you will die? He took what God said. You want to know what God really said? God really said, you're free. You're free to eat of any of the tree of the garden, but do not eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because surely you will die. When we read that, when we hear that, Here's our interpretation with some distortion. God's going to kill me if I don't do what he tells me to do. God's going to be mad at me. He's going to be disappointed in me. God never said that. The enemy distorted that. What God said is, listen, 
I love you so much that I've given you the freedom to be in this paradise and to eat off any tree. You're free. You're not withheld. You're free. But don't eat off this tree. Why? Because God knows it's not good for you. Like, I don't want you to get the effects of eating off that tree, which is sin. It's disobedience in too many of us. Listen, the virus of, of this pandemic isn't the most scary. The virus of sin brought all of this evil, destruction, darkness into the world. And Jesus was born in the middle of this to bring us hope, not just by his birth, but by his life and by eventually his death, his burial, and his resurrection and this invitation for you and me in Christmas 2020 to step into the light. We need to turn the lights on. We need to allow the light. So here's, here's what I want to tell you. The lies we believe today alter how we see tomorrow. The lies that we believe today alter how we see tomorrow. See, it twists and changes the way we see things when we see them through the perspective of the dark and not through the perspective of the light of God's word and God's truth. So here's the scariest part out of all of this. Uh, most, most psychologists say that we think roughly anywhere between 6,000 and 60,000. Now, guys, we're probably more on the 6,000 side. <laughs> Women are on the 60,000 side, I know, because I live with one, and the amount of stuff that goes through that woman's head is unbelievable. Like, she thought about 10 things while I'm just like, hey, who's playing the Giants on Sunday? Uh, <laughs> But most psychologists, we, we, we think between six and 60,000 thoughts in a day. And here's the scariest part about that. Eight, they say 80% of those thoughts are negative. 80%. Here's the even scarier part. 95% of those thoughts are repetitive. So not only are we thinking distorted thoughts about each other, about God, about ourselves. But then those thoughts become repetitive. Do you know um, what's interesting? Uh, if you walk into one of the things that my wife loves and I love as well about Christmas, when you walk into our entry door, we have this beautiful wreath on there. What's interesting about wreath, if you go back and do the etymology, which is the study of the origin of a word, of how it, how, you ever think about that? How a word became a word? Well, I do. Weird things pastors think about. Anyway. The word wreath has, uh, is rooted in the origin of another word called uh, wraith. And a wraith is an old Scottish word that means this. It's the exact likeness of a living person seen usually just before death as an op apparition or as you would probably understand it, a doppelganger. You ever hear that? I didn't know what a doppelganger was until I played Wii with my kids. Wii, and like you have your little guy that you make up to look like you. And there's even a game where you have to pick out like you, yourself in the game. Anyway, a wraith can be, is, is this, is a ghost. It, it's a, a semblance or a form of semblance. It's a shadow. It, it's actually not real. It's, it's a twisted form of who you think you are and who I think I am and who we think God is. So, so check this out. This is getting back to how this works with a wreath. A wreath, think about what a wreath is. A wreath are branches that were connected to usually an evergreen. An evergreen is a, is a, a, a semblance of everlasting life. And when we cut it off, you were a part of that life, but now you become dead. This is exactly why that we need Jesus so much going through a dark season. This is why you need the church. This is why too many of us, we've cut ourselves off from fellowship. We've cut ourselves off from relationship with God and other people during the season. And what happens is it doesn't appear at first like we're dying spiritually, but the dying process has started. Like there's a semblance of life, but that life is slowly diminishing. But not only that, when you take the cut-off branch, you begin to twist it. You begin to alter its natural state, and you twist it in with other branches and other pieces of dead evergreen to make a wreath. Think about this. 
the negative things and the way that you see yourself and the lies that we believe when, when we allow over time, they get twisted and connected to each other to what happens is it forms this pattern in our life. This is why I believe in the Christmas season, many of us, we experience sometimes depression and anxiety and we don't understand where it comes from. It's because another year is over and a new year is beginning and we recognize that there's darkness in my soul and I don't know what to do about that. I don't have an answer for it. And what happens is what the Bible calls a stronghold happens in our life where now we've believed lies so long about our past, about what other people have done to us, about God and what he allowed to happen to us, that our, our present gets altered. Our future can actually be altered because of the lies that we believe today. So how do we break this cycle? How do we cut off that wreath and how do we experience more of the life, more of the light, more of the hope that Jesus has for us? The first thing that we need to do is we need to turn to Jesus. It sounds so simple. And you're like, pastor, that's just simplistic, isn't it? No, because here, here's inevitably what happens. Because we go through these seasons and we don't know what to do with it, we turn to other things. We don't know what to do with our pain. And instead of turning to Jesus, we, I, would, I call it like this, we busy ourselves out of it. Because when we're alone and things slow down enough, then the reality of some of those shadows and that darkness can, can begin to come up because here's what happens. Year after year after year, and, and men, we're really bad about this. What we do is we just push it down. We say, no, 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 I'm not going there. I don't want to deal with that. I, I don't know what to do with that. So I'm just going to push it down and I'm going to move forward. And we think that time will heal all wounds, but inevitably, time does not heal all wounds. Only Jesus can heal all wounds. Only the wounded, by his stripes, I am healed. By his wounds, we are set free. And that's it. We need to turn to Jesus, so what do we do? We keep ourselves so busy that we never deal with it. Maybe 2020 was God's way of slowing us down enough to allow those things to come to the surface so you and I would finally deal with them. We would stop avoiding them. We would stop uh, getting on Facebook so we wouldn't have to face it. We would stop TikToking the time going by. We would stop Instagramming and Netflixing it. And we shop it away. We try to hunt it away. We try to buy it away. We try to, uh, I don't know, friend it away. We try to do all these things to keep ourselves so busy. We push it down and we push past it until one day we hit a wall. And that wall is this mountain that becomes a shadow. It actually is a thing that gets in the way between you and Jesus. See, sh shadows, let me tell you a good thing about shadows. Shadows actually mean that there is light. It's a testimony that light is going. There just means that there's something in the way between the light and you. So every time I'm faced with a shadow, I can take heart and to know that light is there. I just need to turn from looking at the shadow and turn towards the light of Jesus. And when I turn towards the light of Jesus, now I have the ability to see things more clearly. To see the light of truth. To have fresh hope. But I have to turn to Jesus. 2 Corinthians, um, I think it's in chapter 10 it talks about how Israel was blind to the fact that the Messiah was born and it talks about how every time the Old Testament was was read that it was like spiritual blindness like people couldn't see it they describe it like this that there's a veil covering and that anytime somebody turns to Jesus that veil is removed I was thinking about how it's funny I was shopping doing some Christmas shopping the other day and um, my wife was amazed because I was actually doing Christmas shopping before Christmas Eve. So, good on you. And um, I was out, and you know, when you're interacting in the stores, you have, you have to wear a mask, and I, I know, I don't like to wear it, but I wear it out of respect for the store and what they've asked me to do. So I wear it, but the hardest part about wearing a mask is you can't perceive, like, 
Is somebody like smiling at me? Are they mad at me? Are they giving me a dirty look? I don't know. Are you happy? Are you sad? What are you? Because the mask is getting in the way and I can't really perceive how you are reacting towards me and how you feel towards me. And I was thinking that this is why a lot of us don't turn to Jesus during shadow seasons. Is because we think we don't know, is God mad at me? Is he disappointed in me? Is he going to receive me? Is he smiling at me? I can't tell. God's wearing a mask. There's this veil covering that I can't see clearly God. But my Bible says that any time that we turn to Jesus, that that veil is taken away. And, and if you could only see, oh man, this has been my prayer for you in this service. We were praying in pre-service prayer and I said, God, I pray that today would be a day of turning. Today, in fact, I, God showed me a picture of this while I was praying for you, that you know how in a, in a racetrack, you have the final turn. And I feel like this is the end of 2020 and some of you are coming around the final turn. And this is, this is, the, this is the time that God is going to help you make that final turn as you, and he leads you home. That there's a turning happening. There's a turning coming. For some of you right now, even I prophesy over you prophetically, there's a turning coming. If you will turn to Jesus, there is a turning coming. There, there, he will turn darkness into light for you if you allow him. And if you say, God, I don't know what's going on. You don't even have to understand it. You just have to be willing to say, God, I, 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 don't have, I don't see things the right way, but I come to you. I turn to you. I give it to you. I, re, I relate this, this story to you. Um, Josh told you a hunting story last week. I got to give you mine. So being a, as you could tell from the rap video, once again, uh, being from New York, I grew up in Yonkers. I grew up on pavement. I didn't grow up, you know, like my kids are growing up. Uh, in the woods and you know mountains and all this stuff and so when I moved to Montana um, I had never hunted before it was all new to me but I was excited just to try it out just something new so I went out bought all the gear bought the gun you know bought all the camo and everything like that um, read all the books about it and was excited these guys from church were going to take me on this hunting trip we're going down to Dillon we we're going to shoot some elk and I was pumped for it. And I was so excited that I, I had this brand new rifle and I went and sighted it in, shot it a couple times just to get it right, dialed in. And before we went on the hunting trip, I, I took it out and cleaned it. So excited, clean it, clean it, and um, packed it up. Go, we go down there. It's the night before uh, hunting season opens. And um, we had this plan. We were gonna wake up three in the morning. We were gonna hike up this, this mountain at three in the morning in the dark. I was a little freaked out about that. Um, and, you know, in the dark in Yonkers, like, you have guns or knives or something. Like, you know, you, you're prepared. Um, but we, that was the plan, right? So we get up at 3 in the morning, and everybody's getting their gear on. And I get my gear on. I go to get my gun out to kind of load it up. And I notice something's missing. My bolt is missing. So I clean my rifle and I forgot to put the bolt back in. Minor detail. Kind of need that to shoot the gun. So the guys are outside waiting for me. I'm scrambling, like looking for the bolt. Maybe it fell out. I don't know what happened. And then I had to go out and tell them, guys, I don't know what happened, but I don't have my bolt. And they're like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay here? Do you want to come with us? And I had to make a decision at that point. I decided, you know what? I'll just come with you guys anyway. So I made the hike at three in the morning through the dark with a lamp on. But what was worse than going through the dark was what was going on inside my soul. The whole way up that mountain, I was just getting beat on by the devil. He was just telling me how, you know, man, because here's the thing. My dad, uh, like, I had a lot of insecurities growing up. I, I had some wounds. And, you know, here I am with these guys, these hunters, these Montana men, masculine men, and here's the city slicker. And inside, I feel like I don't measure up. And somehow the enemy just starts working me over. And by the time I got to the mountain, forgetting a bolt had turned into a failure. I turned into not just a guy who forgot his bolt, but I turned into less than a man. 
I turned into less than a father, less than a husband, that I'll never measure up, that I'll always do stupid things like that. Like, how stupid can you be? Like, you'll, you'll never measure up, and I'm getting beat up, and, and it's twisting these thoughts and these, uh, these that are coming to my mind that are twisting me and beating me up inside. And I get to the top of the mountain, and we're waiting for light to dawn, for daybreak to come for the rest of the guys. I just was there to, I don't know, be a cheerleader or, you know, moral support at this point, and I felt like an idiot. And I'm beat up, and I feel like a failure, and I'm sitting there, and we're waiting, and all of a sudden, I look over the top of the mountain, and the sun begins to rise. And then I close my eyes, and I feel the warmth of the sun on my face, and I, I begin to feel God speak to me, remind me, no, you're not a failure. No, you're more than a conqueror. You, you're my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. Look where you've come from. And in that moment, I had one of the most profound spiritual experiences I've ever had. I just sat there and I didn't have a gun. I, I, I didn't even care at that point. I just put my hands out and I felt the warmth of the light and the love of Jesus come and flood my soul and bring freedom to me. You see, the enemy wanted to try to alter how I saw myself by twisting who I really was and the truth about how God sees me. And I wonder how many times so many of us, even in this room right now, we are beaten down by the enemy. He's twisted things that have happened in your life and dark seasons that you've walked through and over time has created a pattern of thinking about who you are and about your future that has altered even the way you see yourself and what you can do and what God can do through you. And in the middle of that, Jesus shows up in John 1, 1 through 14. It says this, and you got to get this. All the other gospels talk about how Jesus was born in a manger and all this. John's gospel is a little bit different. John's gospel reminds us that Jesus is two things, this connection between light and truth, light and the word of God. That's who Jesus is. And any time that we turn to Jesus, we actually are facing the light. We're facing the truth. And we need to filter our own thoughts through the truth of God's word. It says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Nothing, without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And check this out. The darkness cannot overcome it. Come on, this is a word for some of you this morning. The darkness cannot overcome it. No, 2020, pandemic, no matter what you throw at us, the darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. We, we celebrate and remember. Jesus is the light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, but he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world, look at this, the world didn't recognize him. They missed it. Just like you and I, we can miss it. We can miss what Jesus is trying to do Christmas 2020 because we didn't recognize that we'd been believing lies and that there was this truth and light that Christ came and gives continually to open our eyes to our spiritual blindness. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. In verse 12, and yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. This is, this is what we call being born again, where your spirit comes alive, and you're going to get an opportunity to make that decision in just a few minutes. And the word became flesh. In other words, it became reality and, and made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, look, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And I love it. A couple of verses later, it says, out of his fullness, we have all received 
grace upon grace. Even Jesus himself spoke in, in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said this, look, you got to get this one. Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So anytime that we choose to turn to Jesus, he promised, he makes a promise to us that you don't have to stay in darkness. That you can be walking in the middle of darkness and through dark times. It doesn't, he, listen, he doesn't promise us that he would remove us from it. But what he says is you can have light in the middle of it. And that light can lead you more and more into the life and the truth and the grace that God has for you and for me. But if that's going to happen, we need to learn to overcome lies with the truth. Overcome lies with the truth. This is a process. This is where we have to stop and allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on areas of our life where we're believing a lie. I love what Steve Backlund, Pastor Steve Backlund, he says this. He says, any area of your life that is not glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. Any area of your life that is not glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. And Jesus in John 8, 31, 32, speaking of, now when we talk about uncovering truth, there's no better way to do that than getting in your word the Bible, this is the truth. And maybe some of you, you don't believe that. I, I've even met Christians that don't fully believe that this is the truth, that the Bible is true. Listen, you need to wrestle with that and you need to come. It's either all true or none of it's true. But you gotta decide what is true. Even in going through 2020, I think one of the hardest parts about going through this season was being able to recognize what is real, what's not. What is true and what isn't? Am I, what I'm listening to on CNN, is this true? Is this real? I'm listening to Fox News. It gives me a different perspective. Is that true? What's true? You have got to find your truth in something. Truth is founded. And so even, even this whole, our whole country is founded on truth. It's actually founded on the truth of the word of God, by the way. Side note. But you have to have something that grounds you. Otherwise, you get into moral relativism, which means basically I decide for myself what's true, what's real. Yes. Too many of us are trying to do that. When, the, when Isaiah called him wonderful counselor, do you want to know what the best counselor is? The Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, that when you read the word, truth gets birthed in you and comes alive in you and illuminates you to be able to recognize, I've been believing wrong things. I've been believing lies. I'm not walking in the truth. But any time that we are our, our go-to uncover lies with truth, you have to go to the word of God. You have to turn to Jesus. Jesus said to those who believed in him in John 8, 31, 32, if you abide Come on, we can't take this flippantly. This is called abiding in the word. That means I don't just read the verse of the day for one minute so I can keep my streak going on the Bible app. Been there, done that. But I actually abide in the word. I take time to allow the word to illuminate me. We don't just read the Bible. We allow the Bible to read us. It's like God's searchlight shining in our hearts, showing us areas. And he goes on to say this. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth makes you free. It pulls you out of that darkness. If you keep abiding in it, this, oftentimes we think, oh yeah, Pastor Lentz, I tried that, it doesn't work. No, you need to abide in it. You need to get in it. Let it get up all in your business, and let it be a light to your path in the middle of darkness. That's what David said in Psalm 119, 105 in the Message Bible. Look, he says it like this. By your words, I can see where I'm going. Anybody have trouble seeing where we're going in 2021 right now? It's hard to see. New president, new establishment, virus, all kinds of, of, of stuff in the media. And, and oftentimes our future can get blurry. It can get covered with a shadow. It says, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. And check it out. I have committed, and you got to choose to commit. You got to choose to commit to the truth of God's word. I've committed myself that I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. And check this out. Everything's falling apart on me. I love the honesty of David. Anybody feel like your 2020 is falling, falling apart on you? 
He said, everything's falling apart on me, God, but put me together again by what? With your word. Put me together. God can pick up the broken pieces of your life. He can take the shadows and he can bring light to it. That's why you need the last thing, and then I'm going to close, and that is this. He said, we need to allow God to turn what the enemy meant for evil and use it for good. Allow God to use it for good. So here, here's what you need to understand. With God, there can be purpose in your pain. He can take your brokenness of your past and he can make peace of it. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. The only person that could make peace with your past or help you to make peace with your past is the prince of peace. But you have to be willing to come to him and allow him the truth of his word to expose the lies that we believe and then take your brokenness, your mess, your darkness, all of it, and use it for good. Now look at this. I want to bring you back to what, where we started. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5. You've got to get this. He says something, Isaiah prophesies something very important for you to understand. Because here's what happens. When you go through divorce, when you go through um, abuse, when you go through broken relationships, when you struggle through addiction, when you struggle with hidden sin, all those things, it's like going through a battle. You're fighting. You're trying to fight through it. And most of the time, if, if we're going to be honest with each other, we feel like we're losing that battle. That we sing songs that, God, thank you, I can see a victory. I might can see it, but I'm not experiencing it yet. I might believe it and, and prophesy into it, but I don't experience it yet. I'm not feeling it yet. And, and it gets bloody. Like, this is real. This is, listen, this is not candy cane land church. This is the reality of what we go through, people. It's bloody. It's real. It's a mess. But he says this, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. So look at this. Your brokenness, your mess, your past, your present, when you put it in the hands of God, it becomes fuel for your future. God can use even the most broken places in your life. In fact, if you look at the genealogy of Jesus, we think, oh my gosh, this perfect human being, standard I can, no, you can't ever live up to that. But it came out of brokenness. It came out of a, he came out of Rahab, a prostitute. And these women that were broken, and we're messy. The Bible is messy. It's bloody. It's, if you look at it from the outside, it's like how, and Pastor Josh did a wonderful job last week talking about how in the brokenness, God can use us. I told these pastors, I said, you know, we could look at, I think I told you this already, but I'm going to remind you again, 2020, the only way it can be a wasted year is if you waste it. It isn't a waste unless you waste it. And I think, actually, the grace of Jesus allows us to be here and to allow God to say, you know what? You've been so busy and you've been coasting and things have been so good for so long that you haven't, you haven't dealt with some of these things in your soul. You've pushed them down, you've busied them away, and you're broken. You're messy. You've got some shadows. And bring the need, I need to bring some light to it. I need to bring some healing and truth to it. I think a great picture of this is, I don't know how many of you ever have gone to an art gallery. I like art. But oftentimes, if, if you're like me, you look at the pictures on the wall and you see like the price tag and you're like, that, that's worth $1,000? That, that just looks like a mess. Like, it just looks like some guy just took some paint and just splattered it on there and you know, stuck a price tag on it and called it good. How do you call that a masterpiece? And there's these people that actually build these, um, what do you call them? Um, statues. And, and it's artwork, but when you look at it, and I've got some pictures to show you, when you look at it, it looks like a jumbled mess. It looks like a hot mess. Like 
I love me some Mikey J. So you're focused on the, on the wall, but I want you to look at the art. What does it look like to you? To me, it looks like nothing. It, lo it looks like some hodgepodge, some broken pieces that were kind of glued together and put together with randomness. And it looks like a hot mess. Doesn't look like much of anything. Look at the next picture. Look at that, just some jumbled wires. There's no connection, there's no, it's just a mess, it's a hot mess. Look at the next one. This, this is a bunch of stuff. But check it out. When you allow the light to come through it, mm, I'm gonna preach to these people over here. When you allow the light to come through it, that mess becomes a masterpiece. That mess, that brokenness becomes beauty. That mess becomes a message of hope that my life was broken. And God, the light of your love and the fact that Jesus was born and the light that he came to give me and the life that he came to give to me and to you and the grace and truth that he gives me, he's making something beautiful out of my brokenness. Only our life in the hands of the master can create a masterpiece out of messes. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking out at a bunch of people that I know the story of your life. And I know that in the middle of even some of your darkest times that you have to hold on to the truth that God is making something beautiful out of it. You know why? You know why we can know that? Because out of the most broken, gross, horrific, bloody battle, Jesus hung on the cross. He took all my brokenness. He took all my sin, all my shame, all my guilt, and he nailed it to that cross. And what looked like something terrible, something messy, something broken, he turned it to something beautiful. Because his, his life planted in the soil of the grave birthed hope, birthed life, birthed eternity. And you and I can be here December 20th. And very tomorrow, December 21st, there's going to be something that happens only every 600 years or so. Most scientists believe it was actually what happened on Christmas Day. It's called the Christmas star that two planets, Jupiter and Saturn, are going to align and create this beautiful, un, just beautiful, bright star on the first day of winter solstice, the shortest, darkest day of the year. If that's not a sign from God that in the middle of 2020, God is reminding us that the hope of Jesus, that the light of Christ, that the light of his love still comes to earth. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He has not left you. Our God is alive and he's real. He was born over 2,000 years ago and he could be born in you again today. So I want you to just close your eyes. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you online. Because some of you, you... You've been walking through some dark times and maybe you've never allowed the light of Christ to come into your brokenness and heal you and to birth something new in you. It's called being born again. It's called salvation. It leads you into a relationship with Christ where you get free. The light and the love of Christ can come into you. If you want to receive that here today with eyes closed, would you just slip your hand up? Just say, Pastor Lance, that's me. I want to receive that. God bless you. God bless you. I believe there's some of you online. If you're online, just type in the comment section, I believe. One of our pastors will reach out to you. But just pray this prayer. I want everybody to pray this prayer with me. I believe there's some of you, maybe you once knew and had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and today is the day that you turn back to him. Today is the turning point. Today is the point. Today is the day that you turn back to him. Pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Today, I surrender and turn to him.
Will you forgive me of all my sin? Come into my life and make all things new. Open my eyes to see the truth of your love for me. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, real quick, I want to pray for some of you. The rest of you, put your hand on your heart right now. Father, I pray for every single person here that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would put your finger on lies that you've experienced, that God, that you would set them free and deliver them. And God, bring the light of your love and hope right now. I pray hope would be restored. Today's a turning day. Today's a turning day for some of you. Today's a turning day for some of you online. The light and the love and the hope of Jesus. Come on, you Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill them with every hope in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.